to jump right into this this morning. If you would open your Bible up to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. They'll have it on the screen as well. Uh, but I, I really feel like this morning that God wants me to fill someone with hope. Um, I preached, the last time I preached, if you remember, if it was good enough to remember, uh, I preached on hope and not giving up, and I feel like I'm preaching that again. I was preparing this sermon, and I felt like, I was like, man, I'm preaching the same type of message, but I realized that it's for me too, and so I'm preaching from a season of life that I'm in, and so if you don't shout or if I get excited, just know that I'm, ex- I'm excited for myself too, and so I'm preaching from a season of life that I feel like I'm in, and it's just been on my heart, it's been on my, in my spirit to give people a little bit of push in the spirit. Is that all right? Uh, because I, I believe this, and this is, this is as I'm preparing and praying, I believe that there are people in this room that are closer than you think you are to receiving the promise that God uh, is giving to you. I, I believe that, I believe that, it's, that this sermon is going to help you see some things and push you to that promise. So Hebrews chapter 10, I want to hit this and then we'll have another scripture here in just a moment. But it says, you need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. I want to go back to the first four words of this. It says, you need to persevere. Tell your neighbor, what you need to do is persevere. All right, now the the person on your left or right, that's your second choice. You can look at them and say, what you need to do is persevere. And so I, I want to get into this perseverance because it's such a powerful powerful thing that it, that Hebrews is saying here because did you know that God can make you a promise that you might not ever get to if you don't learn to persevere God can give you a promise and a lot of times we think like God you gave me this promise you're going to come through and God's word never fails but a lot of times we get things that get in between us and our promise and so we give up and so we if we don't learn to persevere sometimes we won't get to those promises that's true in churches That's true in businesses, and that's definitely true in our lives and our spiritual growth. And I want to talk about this a little bit uh, this morning because I want to speak to someone that feels like they're about to stop short of the promise that God called them to. I I, want to speak to someone that maybe has already stopped short of the promise, or maybe you feel like you're chasing it, but you're on the verge of saying, you know what, maybe this wasn't God. And so I want to speak to you this morning, and if you would turn to Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 through 5 I want to illustrate Hebrews here with an Old Testament passage is that all right is that all right you awake out there so Joshua chapter 6 this is a well-known story uh, for most people and and I believe that God has showed me something in this that is going to help you persevere is that all right all right now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites no one was allowed to go out And no one was allowed to go in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all of its warriors. And you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests walk ahead of of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn... Then have all the people shout as loud as they can, and the walls will be, of the town will be collapsed, and the people will be able to charge straight into the town. I want to talk to you for just the next few moments on the topic, your seventh day 
is coming. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity just to be in your kingdom, to be in your house, to be in your presence. And Lord, we ask that you would show up here and you would move in a mighty way. Father, we ask that you would give us hope today, that you would give us love today. And Lord, that we would leave full of perseverance and full of faith to chase after the promises that you've given us in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Uh, all over this room, I believe that there are promises that are unfulfilled in the people of God. I believe that there are promises unfulfilled in, in the people that love God, in the people that may not even know God. There are promises that are unfulfilled in your life. And I found three things in this passage that will affect what God has promised his people. Three things, three things or three reasons why sometimes we don't persevere. Uh, and I want to start sharing those with you with the first one. Your perspective gets blocked. Number one is your perspective gets blocked. Now we look at this passage in Joshua and a lot of, his, a lot of us have heard this. And this is actually the first battle that God's people would have to fight to get to their promised land. The first battle. We know, about, uh, we know about Abraham, the father of our faith, and this is where it all started. And God promised him to make him a great nation. And then we fast forward to Moses, and we know how God used Moses, a man with a stuttering problem who was facing a problem, and persevered through to pull the people of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. And then we look at the, the story that they walk in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years, and a lot of us know these things, and we think that the wilderness is the first battle, but that wasn't even a battle. That was something that they were dealing with spiritually. And so we move forward throughout the 40 years, and we, we meet a young man named Hosea. Hosea was actually uh, under Moses, and Moses saw something in him, and he changed his name to Joshua. So Hosea was now turned to Joshua, and Joshua was actually one of the 12 spies that Moses sent to, to, to spy out the promised land. He sent Joshua. Now Joshua, if you look at the backstory, Joshua is a very brave and courageous man. Joshua is known for being very brilliant and having a brilliant mind and coming up with great strategy and great plans of how to fight the next battle. And so Joshua is a great commander, but what Joshua had was a weakness. Anybody got a weakness in the room? Uh, Joshua had a weakness, and his weakness is it, it was that he would always get off of the plan that God had set before him and not persevere through it because he thought he had a better plan. And so Joshua, his weakness was that he didn't follow the plan all the way through. He didn't go forward, forward with perseverance in God's plan because it didn't look like it was working to him. And so we, we look at Joshua, and we see the, that Jericho was the first place that he, go, that he had to fight and go through. And we'll talk about the backstory of Jericho here in just a moment. But how many people know that sometimes that the first battle is the hardest one? Like getting started is usually the hardest part. Like if you could just get up in the morning and put on your workout clothes, that's like you're winning. Maybe you take them back off and go to bed, but hey, at least you got the start. Right? Like it's, the, it's the hardest thing to start a diet the first day or the first three days. Well, forever, to be truthful. But starting is the hardest part, and, and Joshua is, is running into this problem at the start. And, and, and it seems like to me in my life, maybe not yours, but in my life, uh, there, a lot of times there's a problem standing between me and, and the promises that God has said for me. And Joshua is seeing this problem, and in this passage, the problem is a city called Jericho. Look at somebody and say, Jericho. 
Now, if you notice here in verse 1 that they said that this city was barred and shut up so that no one could get in and no one could get out. So this city, from my, my point of view, if I'm Joshua, it looks impossible. It looked impossible. No one could get in. The people inside couldn't even get out. And so this looked really impossible. It looked intimidating. It looked, it looked like it was impenetrable. And so they couldn't get into the city. And so this is his first battle, and he's thinking, all right. This is, this is serious. This is, this is a problem. But how many people in the room know that those things that, that look intimidating are not intimidating to God? Those things that look like they're impossible are not impossible to our God. And so Joshua has to, to sit back in the, in, the, in the things that he's weak in and trust the plan of God. I'll take it a step further. And this is, this is something that I feel like is prophetic for everyone in this room, that the sign that something is shut up in your life might not be a sign that you can't get in. It might just be a sign that the enemy knows that he can't keep you out. I want you to grab hold of this because if you look at this, the scripture says in verse 2 that because of the Israelites, because of them, they locked up their city. Because of them, they locked up and barred the city that no one could get in and no one could get out because they heard about God's people. They had heard about the miracles that God had brought them through. They had heard about the battles and the great deeds that God had done for them. They heard about the victories that God had won for them, and they were scared. They were scared. And so just because something looks shut up doesn't mean that you're not getting in. It just might mean that the enemy's afraid of you. Now, we look at Jericho, and we, we study Jericho, that Jericho was actually a very small city. Jericho, Jericho was, was a small city. It was the smallest city, in fact, that the, the Israelites would have to go through on their way to the promised land. The smallest city. But although small, it was, it was still locked up. The size of the walls was so big, it was intimidating. The size of the walls looked like it was impossible. And, and, and so the Israelites are looking at this, and they're scared because they see the size of the wall. They, they think that this isn't going to happen. God, you're really going to have to come through. And so their, their, their perspective gets blocked. And I feel like in our life, the enemy puts up these walls in front of us, and we can't see the actual size of the problem. We can't see what's actually going on. And so the size of the walls blocks our perspective over the size of the city. See, some of the stuff that you're intimidated by, some of the stuff that is scaring you, if, if we could just stop worrying about those problems and put our perspective on God, what happens is, is he lifts our perspective so we can see over the wall, so that we can see inside and we can see the actual size of the city. If we would just stop worrying and know that, that the problem is not really that big and our God is bigger than everything anyway, that it will lift our perspective so that we can see over the walls. That we can see over the walls. See, the stuff that you're actually scared of is really a sign that it, the enemy is just scared of you. The stuff that we're intimidated by is really just a sign that the enemy says, you know what, if they get here, I, I'm in trouble. And so as, as we go through this, I, I want us to, to keep in mind that our, our perspective has to be on God. Our perspective has to be on prayer. Our perspective has to be on worship. Our perspective has to be on studying the word and believing a little bit more. Because if we have our perspective on God in worship, what happens is, is he'll lift our perspective over the wall. And then we could see. Now, I want to look at something here in verse 2 because I think it's, it's really comical what God tells Joshua. 
Now, I shouldn't probably be laughing at the Bible, but I think it's really funny in a good way. Is that okay? Because he, this is why it's comical. So he tells Joshua, he says, Joshua, I've already given you the kings and the city. This is why it's funny to me. This battle hasn't even been fought yet. The city hasn't even been taken. And God is talking in past tense to Joshua about a battle that hasn't even been fought yet. Here's the problem. What God was saying and what Joshua was seeing was not lining up. What God was saying and Joshua's perspective was not lining up. It wasn't, it wasn't too clear. See, sometimes what God says doesn't look like what we see. Sometimes what he says, our perspective is so blocked we can't see it. So what do you do when the preacher's preaching about joy and you go home and you're still depressed? What do you do when the preacher's preaching about blessing and you go home and you still feel broke? What do you do when the preacher's preaching about the goodness of God and you go home and you still feel alone? See, the enemy, he loves to put these problems in front of us to block our perspective. Because he knows if our perspective is on the problem, it's off of God. And if it's off of God, then our problem is too big for us to handle. So we have to, we have to keep our perspective on God. So this was the first city the Israelites would have to take. And although not a big city, it was a well-defended city. But God is about to give his people a strategy that seems a little bit ridiculous. See, I believe that sometimes in order to be victorious, you have to be willing to follow God's plan, even if it seems ridiculous to your mind. Sometimes God says, step out and pray for somebody. Ah. Sometimes God says, you know what, in worship, you need to lift your hands and worship me and forget about everything else. Sometimes God says, hey, give this to somebody. Sometimes God says, hey, bless somebody. Sometimes God says, speak a word over somebody. Sometimes God says, prophesy, and it will be done. And, so, and a lot of times our perspective is on our deficiencies or our problem, and so we don't do it. And so this city, God is giving them a strategy to do this, and one of the wonderful things that that worshiping God does and coming to church and praying and reading our Bible is that it lifts our perspective over the wall so that we can see. And I want you to know this morning, as I go to ver uh, the second point, that no matter what is facing you right now or staring you in the face, it's not a sign that you're never getting into what God has promised for you. It just might be a sign that the devil has gotten so desperate that he knows he can't keep you out much longer. We have to focus on him. We have to keep our focus and our perspective on him. The second point I want to make this morning is that your progress isn't always obvious. Your progress isn't always obvious. Have you ever been there? Feel like you're working and you're working and you're working and you're working and it seems like nothing ever happens. And I feel like this is where it is with Joshua. See, God calls this conference and he tells Joshua, you know, this is a big enemy. This is a, this is a, this is a well-defended city. You've never been through a walled city before. And so God is talking to Joshua, and he gives him this plan, and he says, Joshua, I need you to walk around this city. This is how we're going to fight this battle. You're going to walk around this city six days, but listen, nothing is going to happen. For six days, nothing will happen. But on the seventh day, Joshua, I need you to walk around it seven times. And whenever you walk around it that seven times, have them blow the horn and have people start to shout or start to worship. And the walls will fall. Now, in my analytical mind, I start thinking this. 
why wouldn't God give these people an indication that what they're doing is working? I start to think like, God, to keep me going, to keep me motivated, like when I walked around the first time, you'd let a few bricks fall off the wall. Have you ever thought this? Like, God, come on, like, show me something. Like, give me something. Like, if you want me to march around this wall, God, that's okay. I need to see something while I'm walking. In other words, if you want me to march, I need to know that it's working while I'm walking. Okay? We don't just walk for fun. If you do, God bless you. And so I need to know it's working, but God says, no, it doesn't work like that. See, Joshua, I need you to do this. I, what's going to happen here is you're going to go and you're going to line everybody up. You're going to tell them this great plan and you're going to send them off to walk. You're going to walk. And as they walk, nothing will move. And isn't that the way that life is a lot of times? Isn't that the way it feels when we're praying sometimes? Isn't that the way it feels when we're reading our Bible sometimes? Isn't that the way it feels when we're trying to get our life in order, but it seems like everything just keeps falling apart over and over again? And God says, listen, you're going to have to walk by faith, Joshua. You're going to have to walk by faith. You're going to have to walk around these walls and believe that I'm working even when it doesn't seem like I'm working. And I want to speak in your life that even when you feel like it's not working. Even when it's not lining up, it's not obvious. I want you to, be, to, to remember this, that you have to walk by faith. It's not by sight. You have to walk by faith. Because, see, we all know this story. We have the luxury of reading it. We could read it a few lines down. We know that they win. We know the trumpet sound. The people shout. The walls fall to the ground. Exciting chest bump after party. Fantastic. They win. We know the story. But for six days in their world, nothing happened. Six days days nothing happens six laps around this city and nothing happens I believe God is asking the question will you do my will even if it feels like it isn't working will you forgive that person even if they don't return the favor will you give even even if you don't see anything happening will you pray even when it doesn't feel like it's working Listen, if, I, if, it, if my prayer request came to pass right when I prayed it, I'd be praying all the time. I wouldn't even talk to nobody. I'd just be praying. It'd be like, somebody talk to me, hallelujah, bless them. Boom. <laughs> like, you'd want to be my best friend. If it happened right when I prayed, I would be praying all the time. But guess what? The problem is sometimes I pray and it feels like nothing's happening. God wants to know, will you still pray? See, this message is for someone whose progress isn't obvious right now, but I want to speak to your life. Just because the progress isn't obvious in front of your face, it doesn't mean that your faith isn't working. You've got to learn to take another lap. Even if no brick falls, even if nothing is, is, is evident in front of you, even if the progress seems like it's not going anywhere, you have to walk and you have to walk and you have to march and you have to march and you have to pray and you have to pray and you've got to worship and you've got to worship and you've got to believe and you've got to believe. I'm speaking to someone that their, their progress isn't so obvious right now. Now, if I had been God making this miracle, I would have made it like Tetris. Walk around the wall, a little bit of the wall falls down. You ever play Tetris? Tetris, yeah. I had made it like Tetris. You walk around, boom, top level, top layer falls off. Walk around again, top layer falls off. Walk around again, top layer falls off because it's progress, and progress is motivating, and sometimes we need a little motivation to, do, to keep doing what we're doing, right? I don't know about you. I have to be motivated to get up every single day and go to work. I love my job. 
Just had to throw that out there. I have to get motivated every single day to get up and take care of three kids. Anybody in the house with me? Pray for us. Because we need motivation sometimes. So if I were God, I would have given you a sign that it was working. But I believe that God is saying to us that maybe I don't want you to know it's working because there's a deeper work that I want to do in you. There's a deeper work. See, maybe the reason God is, is, is saying, look, you're going to walk around this and you're not going to see anything, is because he wants us to be focused on obedience and not the outcome. See, God's responsibility is the outcome. And so many times we try to control the outcome. But God's responsibility is the outcome. He's saying our responsibility is just obedience. Keep walking. Keep praying. Keep believing. Even when it doesn't look obvious, keep going. So it gets more interesting. God tells Joshua, look, I got this plan. Walk around for six days. On the seventh day, do your thing. It's going to fall, and you will be victorious. Now, Joshua calls all these people. This is what's really funny to me. Joshua calls the people that actually have to do the walking. See, Joshua knows the plan. He knows what's going to happen. So at least he has a little hope and motivation. So he calls the people that actually have to do the walking. Could you imagine their face when he tells them this great, wonderful plan? Like these warriors that have trained to fight. These warriors that have swords and and all this armor on, and it's heavy, and it's hot outside. I could imagine uh, where they were in Jericho, it wasn't cold. They just come out of the desert, just to put put that in perspective. Could you imagine their face? You know somebody was was sarcastic in the back. Like, man, you have lost your, you stayed by the campfire too long, Joshua. Could you imagine the look on some of their faces like, man, I quit. I, just think if it was us. I got up here like God said, guys, uh, if we want to be blessed, we got to walk around this church 48 times. What? It's 100 degrees outside. Some of y'all are like, man, I just got my hair done. <laughs> Some of y'all are in long, and I wouldn't be in this jacket. And you might get to see. <laughs> Could you imagine their faces when Joshua tells them this? See, you have to understand that Joshua knew, but the people did not know how long it was going to take. Joshua knew, so it was easy for him. He just got done talking with God. You know, when you get done talking with God, it's like, whoa, you're fired up. You go tell somebody, and they're like, huh? And you're like, you don't even understand. So Joshua knew, but the people did not know. Now, wouldn't it be nice if life would tell us how many laps we had left? Wouldn't it be nice if life told us how much longer we had left in our race? Wouldn't that be nice? So Joshua, he, he sets out the first day, and he knew how long it was. The people didn't know. But I start thinking about these soldiers. Could you imagine them coming back to the camp? Because the children and the women, they didn't go to war. Could you imagine them coming home after the first day, and they walk in the house? And they're like, how'd it go, honey? And every man knows the translation of that question means tell me every single thing that happened today, what you thought about it. Ask me the same question and sit down and listen attentively for the next hour and a half. Just my wife. I love you. They come in. How'd it go today? Did you kill him? Did you get him? Did you beat him? Did you win? Well, we just kind of walked. You know, I think Joseph is, I mean, Joshua is just wanting us to, to scout out the city. Like, we're in preseason. We ain't even got pads on yet. We're not hitting. 
You know, we're just kind of scouting it out. We're trying to get a good, uh, a good idea of what this city looks like. What? You just walked. Yeah, we, we walked. Then what? Well, we, we kind of cooled down. We, we, you know, we cooled down. Verse 14, if, if they have it, tells us this. And the second day, they marched around the city and then returned back into the camp. So imagine coming home the second day. Did you get them this time, my little warrior? Did you get them? You got all your equipment on, a sword, a shield, and you're like, well, we just kind of walked again. Well, you're sweating a lot. It's hot outside. <laughs> Third day. Fourth day. Fifth day. Sixth day. And what makes this a problem is that they had no idea how many days of this they had left. Listen, I hate exercise. I try to exercise for the health, but I hate it. I was working out with one of my friends one time, and they love to do these timed workouts. Like they would time it, and you had to go. But the, the thing was is that whoever was working out didn't get to see the time. And I was on this, like doing some curls, and I was like, you've got to tell me how much time i got left, man. Like I'm hurting. Like I don't know if I can do another rep unless I know how much longer I've got. And they'd be like, no, you can do it. Don't think about time. I'm like, but I, I am. <laughs> like, I, he's like, you've only been in it three seconds. It's okay. Just tell me how much longer. Tell me how much longer. But you know what's funny about life? Life doesn't tell you 15 more seconds. Life doesn't tell you three more reps. Life doesn't tell you just hang in there to the end of this year. Life doesn't tell you that your blessing is just around the corner. And so you march and you march and you walk and you walk and you wonder. And you wonder how much longer do I have of this? When am I going to be done with this? I don't mind walking, God. But I need to know how many more laps. I don't mind hanging in there, God, but I need to know where the other side is. I don't mind the pursuit, God. I could keep my head up, but I just need to know how much longer it's going to keep hurting like it's hurting. God, I need you to move. And then when you're on the third lap and the fourth lap and the fifth lap and the sixth lap, and you've been addicted to this thing all your life, and you keep trying to break the addiction, but you keep falling harder, you say, God, I don't mind all of this walking, but I need to know when it's going to be over. I need to know. And all of a sudden, we, we start to give up because we lose our ability and our strength to persevere because we don't see any progress. Because the progress isn't obvious. This leads me to my third point. And I believe that this is a point of hope and, and prophetically for you. Number three is that you're just a shout away. You're just a shout away. It would be one thing if life were like NASCAR, and when you got to your final lap, they come out and they wave the white flag to let you know if you could just make it around this track one more time, that you would be finished with your race. But see, life doesn't always raise a white flag, and so we raise our white flag. We begin to surrender and we begin to quit, not even knowing that just around the next turn, that if we could just pray a little harder, that just if we just hold on through this season of life, that if we would just uh, don't give up in this trial, that if we would just believe a little bit more. Let me tell you something. If you don't get anything from this sermon today, I want you to get this because I believe that this is resounding in my heart. That the reason that you can't stop is because you might be on lap six and not even know it. You might be on lap six and not even know it. You might be so close wouldn't it be a shame for you to quit now? Wouldn't it be 
terrible for you to give up when you were this close? Wouldn't it, be, uh, wouldn't it be horrible for you to bail out when you were so close to victory? Listen to me, you can't stop. If God has given you a promise and God has told you things and God is saying, listen, I have a hope and a future for you, you can't give up. You can't walk by what you see. You can't let people talk you out of it. You can't let your situation stop you from doing what God has called you to do. You can't let your emotions stop you from moving forward. See, this message is for someone that feels like they're walking in circles. Everything they do feels like it's just a circle. Here we go again. There's a promise for you, but there's a problem in the way. And you're walking and you're wondering, how much longer do I have to go around these walls? How much longer do I have to try to eat right and work out to only gain more weight? How much longer do I have to, to wait for the right spouse? How many more nights do I have to hurt? How much longer do I have to live in brokenness? How much longer do I have to try to get my bills right only for... Uh, my, my finances right only for bills to pile up how much longer will it seem like my marriage is falling apart how much longer will I have no hope how much longer will jobs keep telling me no because I don't mind walking God but I need you to wave the white flag or I'm about to wave mine this is for people that are on the verge of pulling out the surrender and giving up so I started thinking, why would God have us walk around these walls and not just knock them down? Because we know the power of God. He can say, move, and it will move. He's put that power in us as well that we could just say, move. And why wouldn't he just knock them down the first time? Why wouldn't he just say, you know what? Do this, and it'll be over. You can knock it down because I believe that God is saying, not until you've taken six laps. Not until you've persevered, not until you've trusted in me, not until you've prayed, not until you've believed, not until you've read your word, not until you were faithful to my house, not until these things, not until you've taken six laps, because when you get inside your promise, I want you to never forget who brought you there. God is saying, I believe that there are people in this room that have been walking and believing a promise for your life that someone spoke over you that God has spoken to you maybe you've been praying and believing for someone in your family maybe you've been praying and believing for healing maybe there's a promise of a job for you whatever it may be I believe that God sent me here to encourage you to keep going and I want to speak over your life that your seventh day is coming your seventh day is coming I want to pray, and I, I, I stopped a little short because I want to give you the opportunity to, to respond to this message and let someone pray and believe with you, to give you a little encouragement, to speak over your life some strength. And so before we do that, I, I, I want to pray corporately, and as I'm praying, if our pastors and elders would come, I believe that there are people in the room that just need to know that God is still with you. God is still for you. Your promise is still in front of you. No matter what it may look like, no matter if it seems obvious or not, no matter what, God is saying your seventh day is coming. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you so much for the promises that you've given these people in this room. Father, we know no matter what it looks like that you're bigger, that you have a plan, that your hand is upon us. And so, Father, we ask that you begin to lift our perspective that we could see over the problems, that we could see straight into the promises that you've given us, Father. Father, I pray that the people in this room that just need some encouragement, some strength to keep moving forward, to go toward the promises that you've given them, Father, I pray that you give that them to them today. 
Father, we thank you so much, and we, we give your name all the glory and all the praise in the name of Jesus.